Kyle Brandt's Basement is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. Hey guys, welcome to the basement. What movie did you see too young? What movie did your parents let you see too young? What is the best rivalry in the AFC right now? And what bizarre affliction is affecting the greatest athlete to ever live? How is this a real story? It breaks my heart about this. Also, takes on takes. We got a great matchup. We also have what I love, what I hate, and what's hilarious. Boom! I missed even the dunk. I missed it. Let's go. So schedule drops last week. We haven't had a chance to talk about it. the NFL schedule is out. All those countless games are also beautiful, all just lined up all in a 17, 18-week 18 week row. And then we even get to the playoffs. It's fantastic. But it does beg the question. You start looking at them, you start seeing when's this game, when's this game, when's Thanksgiving, when's the openers, Christmas, Christmas Eve, New Year's, Black Friday. What are the ones that you really want to see the most? What are the ones that you will make sure that Sunday afternoon is set aside, or you will make sure that Thursday night the kids are in bed early, whatever it may be. And the answer to that question, there's another question it raises is, what is the best rivalry right now in the AFC? And I love this question because there's a lot of different ways to go with it. What is the best rivalry right now in probably the most talented AFC we have ever seen? Maybe the most talented conference we've ever seen on either side. Schedule is out, where do your eyes go? Now, before you get to the rivalry answer, there's some key ingredients here that really make up what a rivalry needs to have in order to be considered great. And I have the ingredients here. All right, first of all, this is a really important one. In order for there to be a great rivalry that we can all say, oh yeah, that's the one. Both sides need to win. It has to have some back and forth. Just because teams may play a lot, or play in prime time a lot, or even play a lot in very close games, it has to have this side get some and this side get some. I've said this for years. Right now, I don't believe that the Bears and Packers have a rivalry. They don't. They have a lot of history, and they have a couple matchups a year, but it's not a rivalry. The, the Packers win way too much for that to be considered a rivalry. All right, so both sides need to win. There needs to be some history in the rivalry, all right? And I don't mean it needs to go back to black and white or 100 years ago, but we gotta have done this a bunch of times over a bunch of years so it appeals to young people, old people, middle-aged people. Listen, guys, you know, the, the Texans and the Colts with Richardson and Stroud may set off a nice little thing over the next few years, but it's not gonna take a long time to really build into one of the classic NFL rivalries, all right? It's not gonna be a Texans-Colts epic rivalry just as much as it isn't now based on the last 20 years of them playing you got to have some some equity next reps over and over and over you got to play each other a lot not just over the years that's why the divisional rivalry is the best because you're guaranteed playing at least twice a year and then sometimes which we'll get to three times a year there's a lot of love right now in this question what's the best rivalry for bengals chiefs and the games have been very good lately, but it's, is it a flavor of the week or is it the rivalry for the next decade? They're not in the same division, so they don't play as much as Ravens Steelers or Chiefs Raiders or whatever it may be. Next ingredient, 
I need some postseason in there. I need a little spice. It could be that you have these great battles in week three and week 15, and those are excellent, and whether they're prime time or they're historic, you need that special, special secret sauce of the playoffs. There's nothing like when divisional teams play in the playoffs for the third time. It's super emotional and draining, and one team goes home, and the other, it's so embarrassing. I mean, last year, just think about the Eagles-Cowboys playoff game, or rather, Eagles-Giants playoff game. Think of the Bills-Dolphins playoff game. Those, those are really good. I love those. And then lastly, and this is really important, especially in 2023, to be a real rivalry, there needs to be a healthy dislike between the teams, between the players, between the fans, between the coaches. It doesn't have to be disrespect, but it has to be dislike. That's what it is. I don't like you, you don't like me, that's okay. I know we all get along and have the same agent and the same trainer, trainer, we're gonna jersey swap and do all that stuff and be chummy on Instagram. But at least during that week, and certainly during that afternoon or evening, I don't like you, and I'm not afraid to talk about it afterwards. When the Chiefs beat the Bengals last year in the playoffs, Patrick Mahomes, who is top to bottom class and never disrespects anyone, first came out and said, it's not Burrowhead Stadium, it's Arrowhead. And then at the end, he said, yeah, I don't know if we have any cigars around here to smoke, referencing Burrow. That's perfect. I don't need some sort of gratuitous shot. I don't need pure disrespect. I don't need insults. I don't need any of that stuff. Just acknowledge, like, how do you like me now? Because I don't really like you. And get the hell off my field, which is called Arrowhead, by the way, not Burrowhead. Tell that to your stupid mayor. I like that. It's right, right there in that sweet spot of salty without being a jerk. So you've got to have those ingredients. Um, right now, the answer to every question is the Chiefs. We know that. So is the greatest rivalry right now in the AFC involving the Chiefs? Well, let's eliminate some things. It's certainly not in their division. It'd be really fun if... Justin Herbert, or my God, Russell Wilson, or whoever the Raiders turn out, decide to become great and split the series here and there with the Chiefs. Or maybe over the next six times they play Mahomes, you know, they win three or even two. That would be really fun. But right now it's just not the case. So if you're going with the Chiefs, there's no one in their division who is eligible for the greatest rivalry in the league. Then you go with the Bills. All right. This one's complicated because it has a lot of the ingredients that I talked about. It's got... Um, some reps. Doesn't have a ton of history. It's got the postseason for sure. The healthy dislike I don't really think is there. I think it lists, is, Mahomes and Allen love each other. I don't think there's real extracurriculars. Doesn't seem to be any salt or spice between them. I don't see that. I don't think Jordan Poyer's trash talking Kelsey or vice versa. And the both sides need to win is an interesting one because both sides have won, as Bills fans know. They go to Arrowhead in the regular season and they win. In the postseason, they do not. They've had one all-time classic in the divisional round, which was a loss. They had another one in the title game, which was a loss. So is it the greatest rivalry right now? I don't know. It's all one-sided in the playoffs. It's mostly the other side of the regular season. I like that rivalry a lot. I think where we're at right now is what is a better rivalry as we sit here in 2023? Is it Bills Chiefs or is it Bengals Chiefs? You tell me. I almost have to nod to Bengals because the Bengals have won an Arrowhead Stadium. They've gone in there in a playoff game and they have won. They played again last year and it was very close and very competitive and very strange at the end of the game. And the Chiefs won. And they have had a little bit of trash talking. They check every box. I mean, not a ton of history, I guess, between Chiefs and Bengals. So they're a little light in that one. But both sides needing to win. 
they're developing the reps quickly, the postseason stuff is there, and the healthy dislike is there. I think Bengals Chiefs gets it narrowly, although if I were to say it is kind of new money, like it doesn't have a lot of old fashion, I don't think a ton of 2000s, 90s, 80s, that's my take on it though. What's your take? Let's go to social media. You guys answered this question. Best rivalry in the AFC right now. Right off the bat, Liam Cilantro says, Bills Chiefs at the moment. I hear what you're saying. I was just talking about it. One Bills playoff win over Kansas City, I mean, that's the one. That's just an all-time classic game. Just those, those playoff losses are tough, especially a title game loss. You got to get one. And the Bills know that. And Josh knows that. They all know that. Next. We, that could be the answer. I'm a little bit on the fence. SYC Sports says, Steelers-Ravens. But the Chiefs versus Bengals has the setup for the future. I hear you on the future for sure. Look, Steelers-Ravens, we don't know. Like, the Steelers are in this thing where they're like, well, we like Kenny Pickett. Is he going to be able to go beat the Ravens year after year? That one does feel incredibly personal. And certainly during the Roethlisberger-Flacco era was fantastic. Because that's another ingredient I probably didn't list on the rivalries. Hall of Fame players, you know, Paul Amalu and Ray and Ed, it's just so many fantastic players and great, great games over several years, divisions, playoffs, everything. Steelers-Ravens was awesome. It's kind of reloading right now, trying to decide if it wants to join us for the next five years. We'll see. Next. I like that answer, though. I respect it. Randy says, Ravens versus Steelers. No matter the records, it's always a tough physical game and usually within three points. It's good. I, I could also submit to you that Bengals versus Ravens is heating up. The Steelers are going to be interesting. I always believe in them. They finished 9-8 and eight last year, just missed the playoffs. They always matter. They always come afloat. They always figure it out. Are they going to be great, though? This is not the, the 2000s or 2010s AFC. You have to be fantastic right now in this AFC to really matter, and they're going to decide this year if they are. Another answer for Ravens-Steelers is great, though. It's getting me going. Matt says, coming from a Bills fan, it's KC and the Bengals. All right, Matt, I appreciate the honesty. He says, if the Bills beat KC in the playoffs... Or and or the Bengals, then it can be a different discussion. True. I mean, listen, how am I going to say the Bills are part of the best rivalry over KC or Cincy when they've lost to both of them in the last couple of years in the playoffs? It, it's a pretty compelling case. Any more? Next. Matt, Matt said, no, that was Matt. This Nick, Nico D says Miami Buffalo. All right, let me just set this table really quickly and then we'll move on to what I hate. I love the Miami Buffalo submission especially coming off last year. First of all, there's a ton of history. The history is fine. It's Marino, it's Kelly, we know that for decades. Um, both sides need to win. Miami's got to work on that a little bit. They did win a regular season game last year in Miami. They've been housed for a few years by the Josh Allen, McDermott, Bills teams really badly, but they win last year. A really good game in which Ken Dorsey threw his surface and Josh and two were exhausted and hug at the end. That was great. The reps, obviously, three matchups last year. A crazy snow game at the end of the year, a crazy heat game at the beginning of the year, and a playoff game that got very strange with a backup quarterback. That's all there. The healthy dislike, we know that for sure. We've talked to Josh many times about him out there on the field. Uh, Christian Wilkins, an antagonizer. Josh has been flagged for post-game stuff. There's been post-interception kerfuffles. It's really, really great. And at the end of it, we've talked to Josh about Christian Wilkins, and there is a respect there. There is. And I think Wilkins has it for him, too. I love this one. Uh, it has a lot more history, a lot more equity than anything that the Bills or Bengals have with the Chiefs or Bills have with the Bengals, whatever you want to say. Um, it doesn't maybe have the highs of the last 20 years that Raven Steelers does, but it's got great stuff in the 90s. It's got great stuff in the 80s. 
and it's really hot right now. We'll see how Tua comes out, the year two, McDaniels, but just keep your eye on Dolphins' Bills. I really like it, and I think it has the potential this year if they split in the regular season again, and certainly for the second straight year if they meet in the playoffs. This could be the one out of nowhere, sneaks up on us. I like Dolphins' Bills, and so does Nico D. Guys, keep sending, keep sending answers. I love this. It's a great topic we can talk about for the next five months, and then the games will start, and we'll be rock and roll. I love the state of the AFC. I love that Bills-Dolphins rivalry, and I love that we have so many good teams and so many good matchups, it's hard to decide which is even the best one. That's a great time to be an AFC fan and a football fan. Um, let's get, though, to a story that's really bothering me. Truly, it's what I hate. Come on. I grew up in the church of Bo Jackson, late 80s, early 90s, when he was on the Raiders and the Royals. It was completely surreal to all of us, let alone a little kid, that some guy could be in the NFL and Major League Baseball and be unbelievably prolific in both. I just didn't understand it. I had the Bo Jackson poster where he's got the shoulder pads and the baseball bat. He was he was my Thor and Iron Man. He, it was just, you, you couldn't understand how incredible Bo Jackson was. So all these years later, it's really bothering me have you seen the Bo Jackson story right now in the headlines if you Google Bo Jackson's name? It should be that Bo has uh, started a new business or is being honored in some way or is ushering along one of the great running backs or outfielders or anything. It's not. The story right now about Bo Jackson is that Bo Jackson has had hiccups for a year. Did you hear that? Bo Jackson, the one, the greatest athlete to ever live, has the thing that I get when I have a beer too fast on a Friday night and I can't get rid of them. The greatest physical specimen to ever walk the planet is being really seriously messed up by this dumb affliction where you try to get your dad to jump uh, out of the broom closet and scare you so it goes away. Real story. Bo's talking about this. He has had hiccups for a year and it's gotten so bad. Let me just remind you, I'm talking about hiccups. <laughs> that. Bo has that. He's had him for almost a year. It's gotten so bad that he has to have a medical procedure and he's dealt with specialists and doctors and he's going to have some sort of surgery or something to stop the hiccups. He went on a podcast, we're going to credit them here, and he told them what's going on. These hosts are like, Bo, are you serious? Are you going to figure this out? Because he was going to go to Frank Thomas's Hall of Fame induction. He and Frank both uh, at Auburn together. And he says why he couldn't go and gets into this crazy story. Listen to Bo Jackson, greatest athlete to ever live. I wasn't there because of dealing with hiccups. I have, I've had the hiccups since last July, and I'm getting the medical procedure done the end of this week, I think, to try to remedy it. But I'm busy at the hospital sitting up with doctors poking me and shining lights down my throat and you probing me every way they can to uh, find out why I got these hiccups. So that's the only reason that I wasn't there. Have we figured it out? Hell no. <laughs> I have done everything. It scare me, drink water upside down, smell the ass of a porcupine. <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of that. <laughs> yes. The remedy or having hiccups that long. Either one. Yes. So. I'm serious, man. He tried the porcupine remedy. That's the Alabama bow coming out. I was raised in the South. I, 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 maybe that's where that remedy comes from. But it, again, it's just this strange contrast between his 
complete genetic perfection and this ridiculous little affliction that some of us get. It'd be like, you know, Deion Sanders has to retire from coaching because he can't stop sneezing. What? Huh? Bo's got hiccups? A couple of things. Isn't it a little weird that he didn't hiccup at all during that radio clip? Does it just go away for a while and then it comes back? Because that must be really frustrating because you think it's gone. And you say, I think it, it's not gone. Um, it's also identifiable with all of us because we can all relate. None of us can relate to anything physically going on with Bo Jackson whatsoever. But damn if we haven't had a really frustrating case of the hiccups one time that we can't get rid of. And we try the stupid things and these dumb old wives tale remedies about how to get rid of them. And you put a pencil in your mouth and you drink water through it. Or you do a handstand and drink water upside down. All these crazy things that we all have. I did a quick roundup of some Kyle Brandt's basement staffers. Say, guys, we all get hiccups. What do you do? Michael Flynn says he holds his breath. Trevor says he drinks water and holds his breath. Pounds a glass of water. Miles says he drinks water. I go, does it work? He goes, never. <laughs> so why do you do it? But then he said, this is the kind of thing I'm looking for. Put bitters, like cocktail bitters, on a lemon and then suck the lemon. And that allegedly gets rid of the hiccups. I have an issue with hiccups myself. Not a year-long one like Bo Jackson, but often if I'm out to dinner, it always happens when I'm out to dinner, it's just Brooke and I, the kids are never there. It's just two of us. We got the babysitter, it's a special night out. And you know, I'll have some drinks or whatever, and I'll just start hiccuping. And it's really annoying because you can't enjoy your drink, you can't enjoy your food, you can't enjoy your conversation. And the second I start doing it, Brooke will say, oh no, oh no. Because we have had nights where I can't stop doing it. We have to go home. Like we were gonna go out to a second place or something or maybe a movie and I'm like, I gotta go home. I can't stop hiccuping. It's annoying for her to listen to. It's annoying for me to do. After a while, it kind of hurts. It's just really frustrating. So my thing is I have to take the biggest deep breath I can possibly take and hold it like that. Then I have to also pinch my nose while I hold my breath. And then this one is the strangest part. I have to close my eyes and I have to completely be left alone and I usually face a corner. So if I get really bad hiccups, I will be in like a Mexican cantina or something and I'll go into the bathroom, a baño, and <laughs> I'll take a deep breath and I'll go into the corner of the bathroom and I'll go <gasps> and I'll just say like that with my head, face the corner as long as I can possibly hold it until I'm gonna pass out and that usually helps. But sometimes you hold it that long and you almost pass out on the floor of the cantina and then two seconds later you get another hiccup and you gotta start it all over again. It's the strangest thing that happens to us as human beings. Do you even know what hiccups are? So hiccups have to do with the diaphragm, this big muscle down here and it gets a spasm and it's like, it's, it's like freaking out and can't calm down and it somehow like sends this muscle contraction up through the inner workings here, and then it like pinches your, your vocal cords, and it goes like, Ugh! it's like a little electric shock, and it just keeps happening. And you know, people think it's caused by food or alcohol or carbonation, but even like the most sophisticated doctors and scientists can't really tell you how to stop it, because it has some sort of mental tie-in to your brain where it's actually your brain that is sending the message or not sending the message to your diaphragm. It's really complicated medical stuff. I'm an English major, I don't understand it, but it relates to all of us. And if it can get Bo Jackson, the greatest athlete to ever live, what can it do to us? I feel terrible for Bo. He's going into the nether region of a porcupine trying to figure out how to stop it. He's had this for over a year. I, I get hiccups 
for three minutes and I'm beside myself. I'm miserable, I'm angry, I'm irritable, I'm snapping at people, a year. Think about what you were doing last May, around last Memorial Day. Think about whatever you were doing, you started hiccuping, and you're still doing it now. How annoyed would your significant other be? Your employer, your coworkers, your children? It is a terrible thing. It's a, in a way, it's like, you know, it's this annoying thing that you keep doing around other people that bothers them. It's almost like flatulating, except it's not. There's no smell involved. It's just this annoying sound. Like you can't be doing that at work or in public. Even after a while on a train or something, you'd be like, dude, shut up. I'm trying to look at my phone. Like you just can't do that in public. You're a menace. And Bo's had it for over a year. You would think this, those, those beautiful, glorious Bo Jackson genetics would be able to exercise the hiccup demon from that, that temple of a body. But no, he's still got him. He's like gonna go under the knife. I don't even know what the procedure is gonna be. And here's the craziest thing. We do the work here at Kyle Brandt's basement. The longest case on record ever of having the hiccups, <laughs> some guy who had them for 68 years. Look up Charles Osborne. You want a fun Google? Charles Osborne back in 1893 uh, was hanging a hog, a 350-pound hog. I don't know how it's possible. It's the stupidest story ever. As the story goes, he was hanging it. He had killed it or slaughtered it. He was going to make it into burgers or something. Falls down, busts a blood vessel in his head. Remember what I said about the brain? And it destroyed the small area of the brain stem that inhibits the hiccup response. So what is we're in the brain stem, which I guess is like the stem down here, it tells the diaphragm to stop hiccuping. That's what Bo's having a problem with. And that's what Charles Osborne had a problem with because he hiccuped 20 to 40 times per minute for 68 years. He hiccuped 430 million times times in his life. Imagine how what a great hang he was. Old Osborne comes around for some moonshine or whatever the hell they were drinking goat's milk and he just is hiccuping the crap out of every sip. He did not, did not get a lot invited to a lot of happy hours. But I want Bo Jackson to come to happy hours. I wish I could, I'm, I'm more concerned about Bo's affliction right now than I am about any injury recovery in the NFL or the NBA or MLB or anything, my own personal health. I wish, you know, they say like, I wish I could give my diaphragm to Bo Jackson for all he's put out for us. Isn't it enough that in the height of his career, Bo Jackson, both careers, baseball and football, were cut short by this terrible hip injury that was considered so rare at the time and the doctors didn't have a great grasp on what it was. Didn't he already pay the piper to the injury gods 30, 35 years ago? They have to come back and go off the top rope on him for hiccups now, of all things. Now they're just mocking him. And it's almost like this deal with the devil. You're the greatest athlete to ever live. And first, we're going to cut your career short with a hip injury. And then we're going to double back in your older age. And we're going to just drop the hiccup nuke on you. And you're going to keep going and going and going. It's not dignified to hiccup. And let's not forget, when Bo Jackson was a young man, first became a professional athlete, he had a major stuttering problem. Certainly in his childhood and junior high and high school, big time stuttering problem. He's talked about it a lot in his books. So this is like kind of the cousin of stuttering. It's like your, your insides are stuttering. Now you have to deal with that. It's all bad. I'm not, I, I notice this is what I hate. It's not what's hilarious. I hate this story. There are so many other athletes I would rather this has landed on than Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson deserved a clean bill of health for the rest of his life to have the most sensational career in any athlete's history taken from him right in the middle of it. Meanwhile, Bosworth is sitting here being like, couldn't he have gotten it before that game at the Kingdom? Or Harold Reynolds is saying, couldn't he have gotten it before he threw me out from the warning track as I was rounding third and I don't know what the hell happened? No, he did all those things still. 
but Bo knows hiccups now, and I don't think it's funny. I hate it. I'm ho hoping for good health for Bo. I just did, I don't know how long I've been talking about this, nine minutes on hiccups. Bo, that's all I can thank you for, but my prayers. Is it appropriate to give prayers to someone who has hiccups? I think it is. If you're getting any kind of medical procedure, my prayers are up for you, Bo. Uh, I love you. Maybe we can talk about it on the backside. Until then, we have to drastically change tone right now in sort of a Mother's Day related, what's hilarious. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wonderful Mother's Day yesterday. Uh, my mother, my um, mother-in-law, my sisters, my wife, of course, here. Wish them all the best. And, you know, you start to realize sometimes that it's not just all the obvious things that mothers do and all the work and all the love and all the, the extra time spent caring for the children and raising the children. It's the things that they kind of talk you out of that you think you're supposed to be doing, in my case as a father, we have a specific one that's come up in our family where when my son was born, I just couldn't wait to show him all the movies and video games and stuff that I like. It's a cool part of having a kid. We're in the maternity ward and I'm trying to show him, you know, the Return of the King. Like, I, I just can't wait to show him that stuff. And so we've gotten into Star Wars, we've done Mandalorian, and he plays Nintendo Switch, and is reading all the books that I liked when I was a kid, and a lot of them that I didn't like and that he's found himself. But what my wife is very good at is when it comes to the movies and entertainment, she's, and then I don't think he's quite ready for that stuff yet. All right, I know you want him to watch The Terminator, or you want him to watch, even honestly, Marvel. We haven't started Calvin on Marvel yet. He's nine years old, and it's because we want to start an Iron Man 1. And you think Marvel, it's great, it's comic books. In the first act of Iron Man 1, there's a sex scene, there's a massive bloody shootout at the cave, and there's people dying and getting machine gunned and stuff. We're just like, we'll get to it a little later. So I was thankful for that. I still am thankful for that, because I think she's right, and those movies aren't going anywhere. We know that. But it also brought about this memory of this question of, what was the movie back in the 80s or 90s or 2000s when the sensibilities were different that you saw, either on your own or with your parents' permission or in your parents' presence, that was just, you saw way too early. You should not have seen, it was inappropriate, it messed with you then, it still messes with you now. I think we all have one. And it could be because of the graphic content of a sexual nature, it could be violence, it could be just really scary, all that kind of thing. I'll start with mine. May 23rd, 1984, I saw the second installment of the Indiana Jones film franchise called Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. I went with my dad in the theater, 
and sat there with him as a man who was chained and restrained has his still beating heart ripped directly out of his chest and held up for an audience before that man who is still alive is lowered into a pit of lava. I was five. Five. Five years old for that movie in the theater, just sitting there eating snow caps. Also in that movie, there's child labor, child slaves, the children are whipped by the slave master. It is all kinds of messed up. You want to know the thing about that movie? You want to know my father took me to that movie? One, because it was the mid 80s, and two, because that movie was rated PG. PG, folks. Not R, not PG-13, because there was no PG-13. It was PG. Rip that heart. The heart's still going boom, 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 boom. Malam Sudram. And you're thinking like, wow, this guy's up to no good. This guy looks really scared too. This guy with the horn helmet, what's he about to do? Slap him around or something? His hands go right into that cavity. He rips that thing up. Boom, 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 boom. Five years old. And I won't let my nine-year-old see uh, Tony Stark roll around with Leslie Bibb. That's mine. Not great. It actually inspired the, the uh, PG-13 rating, that and Gremlins, which is another thing Spielberg had his hands on. I don't know what the hell he's thinking about. What's yours? What are yours? Give it to me. Out of respect for Mother's Day, let's give some respect to maybe some movies that our mothers would have talked us out of if they had known. And guess what? We don't just have tweets. We got phone calls. Uh, here we go. First caller. An Ontario zip code. So this is, I'm going to assume, is that Ontario, Canada or Ontario, California? Probably Canada. So that means we have a Canadian gentleman, no name left. This is his voicemail left at 253, what is the number again? 2524 Brant. And um, saying exactly what movie he saw too young. Go ahead. Hey, Kyle. So yeah, my parents took me uh, and my older brother to go see Jaws in 1975 when I was just six years old. It was a choice between Jaws or uh, the Hindenburg, and I wanted to go see the Hindenburg because I knew that I wouldn't have to worry about living in fear of blimps exploding, but the family took me to go see Jaws instead. And I even got to see Quint's death twice because through the window while we were waiting to get in, Quint was dying. So as a six-year-old, I got to see the blood and gore I was about to have to sit through for two minutes. Most of what I remember is the sound of my mom's stomach where my head was buried and the fact that uh, it would have been much easier to go see the Hindenburg. It seemed a lot less scary at the time. Thanks. Love the show. Bye. Love you too. The funny thing is you saw Quinn's death as your way in to see the movie? So you saw the, uh, the ending of the movie before you even started seeing it. And that's the all-timer because that stays with you. That's, listen... I was afraid of Indiana Jones and terrified me, but I wasn't going to go into a temple of doom like it any time in my life. You have, I'm assuming, gone into bodies of water for the rest of your life, and Jaws stays with you. That's why Jaws really messes you up, because if you see it for the first time when you're 30, you're terrified to go in the water. Even in a lake. I saw Jaws, I was afraid to go in a pool. <laughs> and I wasn't that young. That's a great one, though. That's the 70s, man. You just took the kids out to see a movie. That's some shark. I heard it's scary. You can close your eyes if it gets scary. We don't do it that way now. That's a perfect one. Next. Oswego, New York. We go to... Now I, as always, I've never heard this. I didn't hear the Jaws one. I've not heard this one either. Tommy from Oswego. What movie did you see too young? Go ahead. Hey, Kyle. Big fan of the show. Uh, this is Tommy from Oswego, New York. And Bill's country, baby. Go, Bill. Uh, I remember when yeah. I was about maybe 10 or 11 years old... I was sick, home with my mom, 
and she put on The Shining for me. She said, oh, I watched this when I was about your age. My mother showed it to me. You'll love it. And then a couple of F-bombs later and the old lady scene in the bathtub, she definitely regretted her decision, but we finished the whole movie, and I love it. So thank you. Love the show. Peace. Come and play with us, Tommy. Come and play with us forever and ever. Wow, that was a bold move, Tommy, by your mother to see that. And she had seen it. You know, that's also one of the ones where the bathtub scene with the old lady is rough. A, because the second half of it is just disgusting and terrifying. B, because the first half of it is female nudity and, like, sex. And I don't know which is rougher for the kid at the time. Both. I used to do things where if I'd seen a movie before, we've all done this. Let's say I'd seen a movie before at my friend's house that had like a naughty scene in it or something, and then I was watching it again, and my parents were in the room or something. When that scene's coming up, you go to the bathroom, <laughs> and then you come back a few minutes later when you know it's over, so you don't have to be in the same room as your parents. If Tommy had known the old lady in the bathtub scene was coming, maybe he would have done that. It's crazy, you just sat your kid down and watched The Shining? Was there no other entertainment? I mean, that's a bold choice. It's a really scary movie about an axe murderer who kills his whole family. What the hell? Um, or tries to, anyway. Last caller, Missouri area code. I wonder where that could be from. Kansas City, St. Louis, down there uh, in the middle of the country. Unnamed caller from Missouri. What movie did you see too young? Go. Hi. Saw your Twitter post. Going back in time. Mom and Dad took my sister and I ages seven and eight to a drive-in for a double feature. The double feature was The Exorcist and The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. They took us in a pickup truck and the cab of the truck was a little bit stuffy and they may have wanted some alone time. So they put my seven-year-old self and my eight-year-old sister in lawn chairs in the bed of a truck Again, for the double feature of The Exorcist and The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Thanks. No, thank you. You know what the, the, the terrible part is? You, it's not The Exorcist with the possessed child. It's not The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Massacre with Leatherface murdering people with a chainsaw. The worst part about that is your parents wanting some alone time in the cab of the truck while you and your sister are in the bed of the truck. They're a few feet away from you. And, wow. That's a perfect trilogy. That was a hat trick. Unbelievable. And wouldn't you think that if it was a double feature, when you get through The Exorcist, if you can get through, do you really need to stay and say, you know what? Let's cleanse the palate about that young girl puking in the final scene where the father throws himself out the window and commits suicide so he can kill the demon that's inside him. Anybody up for some Leatherface murders too? Let's, let's run this thing back past the Jujubees. Unbelievable. I mean, that'd be like if you went and saw that now and you say Exorcist and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. What's the third movie? Human Centipede? Sure, <laughs> bring it on. That's an unbelievable thing. I believe every word of it. I think that happened back in the day. And your parents wanted some alone time. They weren't alone. There were other kids in the vehicle with them. As Reagan's head is spinning and she's puking pea soup all over the priest. Unbelievable job by you guys. Terrible job by your parents. 
terrible job by my dad, although I think the MPAA really had a hand in mine in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Love you, Dad. You listen every single day. You probably remember. It was a fun night. I have fond memories of it, but I probably shouldn't have seen that. Great job with that. That's what's hilarious. You think that's hilarious? Let's get the takes on takes. Mom and Dad want some alone time with the kids in the back. Why not just have the kids in the back seat? Like, who cares at that point? If that truck at the Exorcist in Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a rockin', don't come a knockin'. Here's where, don't come a knockin' here because all you'll find is numbers. These are numbers I use to grade different takes from different people in the sports media world. You get your take and I grade them based on creativity, uh, clarity, delivery, and heat. First up, Stephen A. Smith. He's been in a record 16 times on Takes on Takes. Sub 500 record seven and nine though. Stephen A comes on on ESPN's first take with an overview. Wow, before we get to this, the topic says an overview of the Cowboys schedule. How scathing could a scheduled take be? That's why Stephen A's the master. Let's see what he's got. Now I'm spotting this right here. And as I look at the schedule, mm. you know, I mean, the 49ers are intriguing, you know, the Cardinals know it's not so much charges are intriguing and stuff like that. But RG3, the game that jumped out at me. Oh, boy. November 5th, 4.25 p.m., Lincoln Financial Field, ooh. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Ooh, ooh, the ooh, Cowboys ooh. Okay, go okay. to play the Eagles. Here's what I'm intrigued by. I will admit that usually I like the Cowboys very, very interesting because I want them to go into the holiday season thinking it's going to be all right. <laughs> and then it comes crashing down. You see <laughs> I like it that way, you know. But in this particular instance, I see this game early November as the day that the Dallas Cowboys recognize we have no chance. We have no chance. Oh, they're going to roll okay. up into Philadelphia. They're going to get stomped, okay? And they're going to recognize, A, they playing for a wild card spot, and B, all we can do is hope and pray because we ain't going to beat these boys. <laughs> You know what's fun about that is that you thought Stephen A was setting you up to say, you know, I'm going to change my take on this. I'm going to show a different little shade here. And that's the day when the Cowboys will realize they don't have a chance. And they're going to get stomped. He didn't. He didn't change anything. He went directly in the direction he's always gone. But he made you think, oh, Stephen A is feeling a little little frisky today. Maybe he goes on a different path. Nope, they're going to get stomped. They have nothing. The Cowboys suck. Just keep beating that thing. Uh, it was funny. I laughed. And also, I have a degree of difficulty for Stephen A because that segment was like, hey, Stephen A, the schedule's out. Pick a game that interests you and tell us why. It's, it, it can be a tough day for performers like Stephen A who maybe want to get into a little bit, something a little more substantive and you just have to pick something on a piece of paper that's going to be played six months from now. So high degree of difficulty. I will give that, um, it made me laugh. Most of the time they don't make me laugh. So I'll give him a seven. Stephen A averages a 7.06, so he's right on his average. Seven for Stephen A on his Cowboys are gonna get stomped in November take in May. That's pretty good. His competition, Lewis Riddick. All right, we don't get a lot of Lewis. In fact, Lewis Riddick has never been on takes on takes. Welcome, Lewis. It's great to have you. Very intelligent guy, very successful guy. His takes on takes debut 
It's just sitting right there for him. You need an eight to win. Remember, I don't do ties on takes on takes, so I'm either going to hit him with a six or lower or the eight or higher. There will not be a seven. I can take this one and toss it. It's out of here. Lewis Riddick on ESPN's NFL Live. With his expectations for the Green Bay Packers offense, go get him. It all starts with Jordan Love himself, as Aaron Jones talked about, having that self-belief. I think it quickly then translates to Matt LaFleur, and he must he must manage expectations in Green Bay, both internally and externally, and say, hey, look, this isn't just about Jordan Love, although now he's in his fourth year. This is about the fact that we have one of the greenest wide receiver cores in all of football. We have two guys who are coming off a rookie season who had fantastic years. Christian, Christian Watson is fantastic. But think about this. They have two new young wide receivers that they're going to be breaking in there, and Jaden Reed from Michigan State, Dante Wicks from Virginia. They have two new tight ends they're going to be breaking in there in Luke Musgrave and, uh, and Tucker Kraft, who are fantastic prospects. Fantastic, but they're rookies and second-year mm. players. So you have to give them some time. But I'll tell you this. If they can lean on that offensive line, which should be one of the best in football, that running back tandem, that's is one of the best in football, and they can get Jordan to believe, not turn the football over, and gradually build, I think, you know, over the next season and over the next couple of years – this could be one of the most explosive offenses in the NFL. All right. He threw up some late punches. I feel like he, he threw up a half quarter at the buzzer trying to make up um, points, whatever sports analogy you want. He was behind in the cards in the last round of the fight. He started throwing big punches there at the end. It's a tough matchup for Lewis. In fact, it's not a tough matchup so much as it's just a tough format. Because he is a deliverer of insight and perspective and facts. He does not put on the provocateur hat. And he is there for all business. Um, I'd love to give him the win. I just can't do it. It's a five. I, I'm, I, I respect Lewis Riddick. It, again, it's not really his sport that we're playing here. And um, just solid. Solid facts and insight and everything. We're not looking for solid. We're looking for... Uh, farcical or comedic or anything. M tough, tough matchup for him in that sense. Him versus the segment. So, Lewis, welcome. Took the L. That's okay. Meanwhile, Stephen A goes to 8 and 9, 1 1 away from evening up his record at 500. I'm sure we'll see him soon. That is a 7 to 5 takes on takes. And that's it. Guys, that's the show. Um, before we say goodbye, let's go to Sky Camp. This has been a fun one. Talked about some weird stuff today. I feel like I talked about hiccups for 20 minutes. And then we got into Indiana Jones talk. Uh, I'm going to go through a dart. Who knows what we're going to get into here because there are 20 topics waiting for me of which I know none and which I wrote none and plan for none. Whatever number this is will tell me which topic I'll be talking about as we end the show. And the number is 10. Number 10. Number 10. Good solid number. Reminds me of uh, BJ Armstrong. Reminds me of a Pearl Jam album. Number 10. Favorite summer activity favorite summer activity all right so so much to do summer especially you got kids it is really feeling like that here in the new york area favorite summer activity day drinking guys it's been a good show i appreciate you thank you love you tweet subscribe share post review tell everybody about it it makes a difference. It helps. We will be here tomorrow. Thank you for all your contributions, your voicemails, your tweets. We will get more of those for sure because you guys are awesome and you are 
uh, cracking me up every single day, including tomorrow when we'll be back. As I said, until then, exit through the garage, close the door on your way out. Bye, guys.